0: Hey there, this is episode 11 of the Balance Fi podcast. You can do hard things. My story is the parent of a child with disabilities. Welcome to the Balance Fi podcast, where we talk about balancing intentional debt payoff, saving money, and actually living your life. I'm your host, Raylia, small business owner, wife, girl mom, nonprofit co-founder, and money nerd. This is an audio version of the Balanced Five blog, because I know how hard it is to find time to sit down and read literally anything. Instead, you can get quick bits of money knowledge on the go. I want to help you learn to control your money instead of letting your money control you. Let's get started. In honor of my older daughter's sixth birthday, I wanted to share a little more of my family's journey through disability, life upheaval, and our growing strength. Um, She turned six on July 10th, and honestly, that was a milestone that I wasn't sure we would see as a family. So this episode is a little different than what you're used to hearing from me. This episode isn't going to be about money or living frugally or <laughs> paying off debt. It's going to be more of an ex- a deep dive into why I started Balanced Phi and how having a child with multiple disabilities has significantly altered my life and my family's lives for the better in most ways, but I'm just keeping it real. Also, we just got a puppy, so if you hear some little clicking noises in the background, that would be her little paws running on the hardwood floors. So it is what it is. When I met my husband 15 years ago, I was a college freshman with big plans. I would complete a master's degree in accounting, become a certified public accountant, and get a high paying job. I wouldn't have to worry about money as my parents had. My kids would be able to play elementary school sports, and life would be busy but typical, as I worked full time. Then, when I was 21, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. My health demanded that I scale back my goals. I then planned to work as some sort of staff accountant, not a CPA, to reduce my stress level and manage my health better. I still wanted to work full-time rather than become a stay-at-home mom when our kids eventually arrived. I have always wanted to be a mom, but I never wanted that to be my only job. Honestly, I'm not great at connecting to other kids, you know, kids other than my own or making them my sole focus of the day. I like using my brain for something beyond childcare. Raising children is a huge, important job, don't get me wrong, but I wanted more than just that. Today, I am a stay at home mom. It would be nearly impossible for me to work a traditional nine to five job, let alone the extended hours my dream job would have demanded. I've built up a virtual bookkeeping business, and now my blog and podcast. And during nap times and after bedtimes. My work allows me to be present for my girls but use my brain still. So back in twenty fifteen, I was happily pregnant after an early miscarriage the summer before. We went in for the twenty week ultrasound on Saint Patrick's Day, and that's when everything changed. After the radiology technician became very quiet, a doctor came in to say that there were irregularities with our baby's brain and spine. We traveled two hours to see a maternal fetal medicine specialist the next day, where our daughter was diagnosed with spina bifida and hydrocephalus. Part of her spinal cord had grown outside her body, which caused a buildup of fluid in her brain. Although the diagnosis wasn't life-threatening, it was pretty serious. We were honestly completely unprepared for life-altering news like that, but we were still optimistic. It was just spina bifida. A wheelchair isn't a big deal. We could handle it. A few weeks later, we flew from Montana to Philadelphia, where we were told our baby didn't qualify for the fetal spinal repair surgery we sought. Basically, in that surgery, the baby is... Um, Almost re- mostly removed from the uterus in a semi C section. The baby's spine is repaired and then the baby is put back inside the mom, is sewn up, and mom stays on bed rest until baby is born. So we didn't qualify for that because my daughter's hydrocephalus was too bad, basically. So as we discussed our options, one doctor told us if you're lucky, your baby will have a personality. If you're lucky, your baby will have a personality. We spent nearly three months over 2,100 miles from home, waiting for our sweet girl's birth, surgeries, and NICU stay to be over. I spent that time researching, calling spina bifida clinics in our region, and trying to prepare for our new lives. My husband's employer was amazing offering him the time off, too, so we were able to be together at least. Our families hosted fundraisers to help pay for increased expenses and decreased income. We were, were able to save enough money from those fundraisers to cover medical co-pays for the first few years of her life, too. Don't even get me started on the financial side of health care and insurance in this country. My experiences have pointed out so many shortcomings in the current system. We decided, as a couple, that I would quit the job that I didn't love so that I could become our daughter's caregiver. There were literally no qualified daycares for a child with her needs. No centers would even consider accepting such a medically complex child, which is another travesty in our system. Parents of children with disabilities are still entitled to outside occupations and respite time, but they're so often not able to find A way to make that happen. Our daughter's first surgery happened when she was just 20 hours old with a follow-up surgery a week later. We couldn't hold her for the first 48 hours which was obviously heartbreaking and difficult but it was so much better than the three to four day wait we had been expecting. It was really terrifying to hold that tiny baby weighing less than five pounds while working around all the tubes and cords attached to her. Over that next year, we adjusted to being new parents, but also we adjusted to physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, catheterizing a tiny three-month-old, EEGs to monitor seizures, Infantile spasms, which is a form of epilepsy, three life flights out of state, complete with my husband driving through the night to be with us, a shunt revision, which is brain surgery, (laughs) and my daughter failing more than one epilepsy medication. During a hospitalization for uncontrolled seizures, the on-call neurologist looked at our 11-month-old, who was literally either seizing or sleeping for over a week, and said, This could be her life. That was the only time I've ever feared we'd lose our girl. Even if she survived hours and hours of seizures, what would her life be like? Would she ever walk, talk, or ride a bike? So far, six years in, the answer to all of those questions is still no. And that's okay. She doesn't have to speak verbally. To convey sarcasm and humor. To have a personality. Before he met my daughter, my sister's boyfriend didn't really believe her stories about how my daughter could non-verbally crush an adult's spirit. Once he met her, he understood. She refused to eat a single bite he offered her on our road trip, even though she was obviously hungry, and he kindly offered to feed both of the girls. Instead of accepting the food she would open her mouth, wait until he offered her a bite, turn her head away, and smirk at him. She is sassy, sarcastic, and so smart. I would call her an expert at finding innovative ways to avoid the work she doesn't want to do. Her life is never going to be easy or typical. She's going to have to fight and persevere. I would do anything to make her path easier, but there's only so much a mom can do. Today, we also have a two-year-old daughter. She loves her big sister more than anyone and happily helps with her care where she can. This summer, she's learning to hold doors open for her sister's wheelchair and how to push the handicap accessible buttons on automatic doors. Today, I'm still feeding my six-year-old. She can't feed herself. I'm still pushing her in a wheelchair, picking her up to move her, and bathing her in a special chair. Today, I'm still catheterizing her multiple times a day, coordinating speech, physical, and occupational therapy appointments, as well as ABA therapies for her autism diagnosis. She sees over 20 medical professionals. I'm still fighting her health insurance company to ensure my girl has what she needs, working with her school to make sure she's safe and cared for when she's there, and monitoring her medications, sleep, and seizures. We still travel out of state at least once a year for specialist care, an 800 mile round trip. Having a child with complex medical needs or disabilities is hard. It's exhausting, never ending, and scary. We're planning on our daughter living with us for the rest of our lives. Our whole family fights for every little bit of independence that she gains. Having my daughter has made me hard, laser focused, stubborn as hell. My job now is to care for her, but also to advocate for her. I have to make sure she gets the services and treatments she needs in a way that we can afford. She's the reason I helped co-found a support group for local parents of children with special needs. I wanted her to know other kids like her, but I also needed a connection A community who understood what we were going through. I wanted to know other parents who were also avoiding baby story time at the library. Who knew the pain of watching typically developing kids do what my child can't do. Even six years in, most days, I feel like I'm winging it. I follow a basic routine of medications and medical interventions, but I'm just making up the rest of my parenting. I'm lost when it comes to my two-year-old. I don't really know how to potty train her or discipline her, even though I have an older child. It's unsettling to be both a new mom and an experienced one. That's why the team of therapists and doctors who support my older daughter are also helping me raise my younger daughter. They're the ones I turn to when I have a question about typical development or what to expect. Community. Communal strength. Are the most important assets a complex family can have. Heck, they're probably just as important for typical families in a less intense way. I can't imagine raising children without my experienced group of friends or my sister who had kids first. I've often thought of how nice it would have been to be a parent during the tribal days when the whole village pitched in to raise all of the children. Knowing there are so many who genuinely care and have your back would ease the pressures of parenthood. Having a newborn is isolating and overwhelming. Add in medical complications and it's even worse. I've gone through both of those scenarios. I know how incredibly hard both are. As your child grows, so do their problems. Having a child with medical complications either makes you stronger or it breaks you. I hate the platitude. God only gives you what you can handle. Instead, I believe that you rise to the occasion. You will find the will within to protect your child, to help them learn and grow. I haven't found that parenting gets easier. It just gets hard in different ways. Just remember that everyone is walking a tough path that you don't understand, so show them empathy. What should you do next? just show someone kindness. That's all. Make the world just a little bit better. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy the Balance Fi podcast, I'd be so grateful if you left us a review on iTunes or told a friend. As always, you can head to balancedfi.com to connect with me and stay in touch. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter at Fi. Until next time, stay intentional and look for balance.